Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Don't you see? The hang-ups we have today. We need to into episode 193 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson, look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again. He's becoming more and more of a regular uh, regular guest here on the Source Say podcast, Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio, our uh, go-to recruiting Beat writer here at Kentucky Sports Radio. Zach, how are you hanging in there th- on this beautiful 4th of July holiday? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, just like you, we're, we're both going to knock out some podcasting here and, and enjoy our 4th. Go have some burgers, some glizzies. Uh, what else What else people do on 4th of July? You got fireworks planned? You got you got a fireworks show planned for you tonight? No, I think we'll, we'll find a way to get some fireworks in. I, I don't have one necessarily scheduled yet, but it's not a 4th of July holiday without some fireworks. So I'll, I'll find a way. I'll make my way in, in, uh, and get some fireworks knocked out. But yeah, I'll, I'll be hanging out pool and enjoying myself and uh, this the sweet weather that we have outside. And it'll be a good day. We're looking forward to it. But we have to give the listeners what they want, and that is content. Even on a holiday, we 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 can't help ourselves. We got to celebrate uh, the Fourth of July with another source of say podcast. So celebrate Zach, some basketball. Celebrate the beautiful, beautiful occurrence that is basketball. So we just got back from Orlando for the MBPA Top 100 Camp. It's one of our favorite events of the year, uh, held at the ESPN Wild World of Sports or whatever it is, where the uh, NBA bubble uh, actually took place. So it was cool seeing all of these high-profile talents there in person where uh, the NBA bubble was. And it was it was a lot of fun. There were uh, plenty of UK targets to uh, UK's As Things Stand, two current commitments. Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard were both there in attendance, along with the likes of Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, KJ Evans, Xavier Booker, and my personal favorite in the class of 2024, Flory Badunga. I love that kid, and we'll talk a little bit about him as well. But, uh, Zach, just kind of some early takeaways. Now that you are home, the dust has settled on uh, the prestigious uh, prestigious camp that basically gathers all the top talent across all age groups and shoe circuits. Uh, what are some of your early uh, overall takeaways? Uh, well, the city of Orlando is, is an interesting one. We'll just start with that. 
I'd say I'm not uh, I'm not exactly high on that city personally. It's very sticky and moist down there, uh, and just very very Disney like everywhere. Everyone's a tourist. We were tourists, so everyone else was tourists. But so I guess it was fine in that way. But uh, the basketball was great. I like that. Uh, the event itself is is nice. Uh, the media access isn't what we and, and Jack would selfishly prefer it to be. But we got to see like uh, for we saw Reed Shepard on his first national stage. I'm sure we'll talk about him uh, a little bit later. And then you, know, you had guys like Flory Badunga, obviously, who kind of stole my heart while we were there uh, for his four or five games that I got to watch him. I made sure to watch him as much as I could because it was my first time. And you've heard the rumors of him, you know, really taking it to Xavier Booker a couple of weeks ago in Indy. So I was made, made sure I had a front row for him a bunch of times. And he definitely lived up to the expectations that I had. Um, it would have been nice to see guys like Rob Dillingham a little bit more. We only saw him for, I think, just the one game or maybe the one day. Yep. One day or one game? One one day, two games. Two games. Okay. So he really wasn't there that much, but he still looked cool in the, in the stuff we got to see. So that was fine. But um, yeah, overall, I like that camp a lot. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Aaron Bradshaw and kind of where he's at with his uh, recruitment as well. Uh, he played really well. Him and Flory actually had a one-on-one game. Him and and Flory also had a one-on-one game against uh, Santos Cyril, who we'll talk about too, which those were some really good matchups that we got to check out. Um, so yeah, good trip. So I will say um, there is a lot of, t- and we'll talk about the individual players, but I guess one of the big takeaways that I had leaving the event was I was talking to a, a very high profile talent evaluator uh, who, you know, will be, uh, attached to some of these names very, very soon, you know, in terms of, you know, agency wise, that's, uh, you know, his job is to literally uh, evaluate this talent and see who's going to be the best of the best in the future and uh, sign them now. And, you know, while they, before they come become NBA stars, the issue though, is this person uh, wasn't very high on this class or the class of 2024, just in general. And that's kind of a, a takeaway that everybody has had that is has watched these these upcoming classes closely. Uh, the twenty three class is okay. It's got a lot of top end talent, but it, it really not a lot of you know. There's no generational talent. There's no. 10, 15 year pros that you can see uh, out there that it, it, the person that I talked to, the exact quote was, there's not much NBA talent here. So uh, keep that in mind that you can still find high end productive college talent, you know, a guy like Reed Shepard, guys like that, uh, but maybe not an Anthony Davis or a Zion Williamson or, uh, you know, somebody like that in this class or even class of 2024. I just don't think that guy is out there, at least right now, that he hasn't emerged, emerged as that player quite yet so uh, keep that in mind when we're discussing you know recruiting classes do you go after you know six guys that could be pretty good or do you go after four and take you know the two best transfers on the market or do you take you know hope that a reclass candidate opens up and you know it's just an interesting dynamic knowing that these next two classes are a little underwhelming and how does cal go about uh, you know, casting that wide net and and how many takes does he have? How many commitments does he want in that class? Is that, that was something that I was thinking a lot about. Can you win a national title with a bunch of pretty good guys? Or do you do you need to find the next Oscar Sheboy? Do you need to find the next, you know, Antonio Reeves, whoever it may be? Uh, that was definitely something that caught my uh, attention and clearly some other high-end Thailand evaluators as well while we were in Orlando. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. I don't have too much to add to that. So, uh, but uh, 
just because I, I haven't, you know, had to been able to watch some of the prior classes. So I'm not entirely sure what I can, or at least that close. So I'm not entirely sure what I'm comparing to, but I have heard that the 25 class in particular is going to have some studs. So maybe that's, as we go along here, we'll, I'll kind of figure it out myself and, and see how, how these classes stack up to each other. But yes, I guess just from my own experience, the 23 class, you know, there is missing maybe a few handful of, you know, go-to superstars. So even the 22 class, I feel like maybe had, a couple of guys that you could maybe point to as potentially even the 21 class too, with guys like Duran or whatever. So, yeah. And so we talked a little bit about Reed and, and that brought up kind of my next big takeaway is that some kids just aren't camp kids. They're not in the mold of a, I'm going to go and, and put 30 on your head. And uh, it's a very, so the way these camps work, they basically gather a hundred of the best talent talents in America, regardless of shoe affiliation, regardless of class. And they say, you're going to come in here and we're going to put you on some random, okay, you're on the Houston Rockets. You're on the Boston Celtics. You're on the Portland Trailblazers. It's, it's random made up teams, a random conglomerate of, of, you know, the best talent there, they've never played together. It's a, we're gonna, you know, put you all together and see who the best of the best is. So it's very individualized. Kids go and they have to go get their own. If they want to stand out, they have to go and do it their, their themselves. So guys like Rob Dillingham, guys like AJ Johnson, guys that are, you know, very ISO heavy uh, creativity, you know, guys that, that like to create for themselves, those are the ones that typically stand out more than the guys like Reed Shepard, who uh, admitted even earlier on in the camp, he said, I'm just here to have fun. I'm here to do, you know, little things to contribute to winning. I'm going to get, you know, deflections and steals and, you know, block a shot or two and grab some tough rebounds and die for loose balls, which is all well and good. But the first two days that he was there, Zach, uh, he just didn't look like he belonged, like totally honest that he just, he looked like he was one of many low end four stars at the camp. And it was, you know, I would, for my money, I would say that he was one of the most underwhelming guys that I saw out of all of them. To his credit, he ramped things up on the last day and looked tremendous. 21 points on eight of 13 shooting three of six from three, five rebounds, two assists. I think four steals as well. Looked tremendous. But that was when he went and said, screw all of you. I'm going to go get mine. And sometimes that's just kind of how you have to be. So it was a learning experience for Reed, I think, where, he didn't play poorly, I don't think. He just didn't do anything to stand out in the first two days. And I think that uh, left a little bit, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily a bad taste in my mouth, but I was I just came away wanting more uh, from Reed Shepard in his first national camp experience this summer. Yeah, he left a lot to be desired, but to his credit, like we were saying, that that final day he really did. I'm sure, I'm sure his father had a couple of uh, choice words for him after the first couple of days. Uh, you could tell just watching Jeff on the sidelines, he was very much into it. So I'm sure he told him, you know, say, hey, just go out there and stop trying to, you know, play around and have fun. Actually, you know, you were brought here for a reason. Go out and score some points. So, like, on that final day, he was the best player on the floor that had Gigi Jackson on it. So he was absolutely the best player there. And even across the entire event, he he actually led the camp in steals and steal rate. So, like, consistently on defense was something that I didn't realize he was actually that good at that he could just get thrown in with a bunch of you know four other random guys on the floor and he actually can play like on a string on defense so I thought that was a really good sign and that'll that's something that'll definitely translate to the next level and he'll just get better at and he's he's just really good with his hands he's got he knows how to play the passing line so all that stuff he looked really good at but then the aggressiveness was uh, kind of nowhere to be seen the first two days so that was four games essentially and he was just 
very passive. He even got to play with Gabe Cups, who he plays with on Midwest basketball team. That's an Ohio kid going to Indiana. Uh, so he kind of had a little bit of synergy there, but even they didn't, you know, try and work too well together. A lot of the time it was just Reed kind of deferring to AJ Johnson and letting him dance around and, and do what Jack said, where it's just, you know, he can thrive in those situations because it's just one-on-one ball. So uh, it's definitely not his camp setting for Reed. Um, He prefers to, you know, kind of take his time when he's playing for North Laurel and then get him like get himself going later in the game. Obviously that's just not this, it's just not the same thing at all. Uh, And even it's different with his Midwest basketball club where it's him and two other really good stars and then kind of everyone else. So it's just those three guys kind of sharing the load. Whereas with this camp, it was him and eight other guys, you know, just kind of consistently sharing the ball and figuring out, all right, your turn, my turn type thing. So last, the last game, he was just like, all right, I'm here. Either I'm going to go out and look like I did nothing all week and I was brought here for no reason, or I can go out here and actually, you know, play like a Kentucky wildcat commit like should. So that was, that was very, it was necessary to see him do that because I think we all would be having a lot of different conversations if he didn't have just one good game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, again, it wasn't even that he played poorly. He would just defer so often. I mean, he would bring the ball up the floor and pass it off before he even got to, to midcourt. Like it just got to the point where it was like, buddy, you gotta try, like you gotta show that you belong here. Like there, I mean, you, there was a time that he was considered a, a, a fringe top 25 talent in America. Like they were like, Hey, this kid is a fringe five-star and you kind of wanted him to prove that he was that guy on this national stage. And just the first two days, he wasn't to his credit on the third day, uh, his last appearance. It, it was unfortunate that all the coaches left on that third day. They weren't allowed to be there. So he did it without all the coaches there in attendance. So, uh, you know, the, I don't know if they were able to watch the streams or whatever, but, you know, the Kentucky coaching staff's lasting impression was probably uh, really wanted to see a lot more, but I talked to a bunch of national, you know, analysts and, you know, national sources that, that are, you know, familiar with the whole grand landscape of everything. And they were like, Reed's fine. Everything's fine. This isn't, don't use this as, as your entire make or break for Reed Shepard. Like, I don't don't think, I don't think the UK coaches were too concerned with how he was performing on that level and and whatnot. So they were, they were there to watch him and support him, but I don't think, you know, maybe even Cal, maybe after the second day, maybe even a coach from UK called him and said, Hey man, go up there and let's like play a little bit. So it was, it was just a point where you were like, just, we don't care if you miss at this point, I would just rather you shoot the ball then you just not do anything. So eventually he did, but, and he looked yeah. good to his credit. He really did look good when he played. And I will say Justin Edwards, who is another UK target. We'll talk about his recruitment here in just a second. Uh, he was in a similar boat. He was a guy that uh, just really didn't stand out as the top 10 prospect that, that people were kind of hyping him up to be. Xavier Booker was in the same boat. He really underwhelmed on that national stage. There were a lot of talking heads in the stands that were going, there was a player that didn't hurt his uh, that didn't help his stock at all this week, and that was Xavier Booker. So uh, Reed was not alone in that you know camp setting. Just and, and again, it's it's very guard heavy, very guard oriented. So guys like Aaron Bradshaw, he could put up you know ten and eight and still look tremendous, but it's still only ten and eight because how many touches are the five star centers getting whenever it's a guard heavy kind of ISO heavy t- style of play? So when, when they do get it, they really try and go to they know that it's limited touches. Yeah, so that that causes them to play out of their comfort zone. You saw Aaron Bradshaw get rebounds and take it coast to coast and, you know, basically like, all right, well, you're not going to pass me the ball on the block. So 
I'm gonna go get mine. Like it, it just it it's a camp setting. You gotta just kind of remember that it's very individualized, not team team focused and it just made some guys that typically look fantastic not look the part and other guys that don't usually look the part look fantastic so it is what it is and and you just kind of got take everything with a grain of salt and you know use it as part of the sample size because it is a high profile event playing against high profile talent you need to factor in these things but use it as part of a very very large sample size that includes high school that includes other grassroots ball that that includes other events like this uh, when, when determining you know what what you think of a player long term don't use this as a reason to tank a kid's stock or to say that he's going to be the next the next greatest thing so uh just just keep that in mind um who else you know were there any guys zach that stood out to you that you weren't necessarily expecting to look the part or or you know just somebody that you were excited to see that ended up you know really catching your attention that that definitely looked the part uh when, when you got to see him with your own two eyes are we going strictly kentucky targets for the most part here i guess anybody, anybody. well i mean it's flory i guess <laughs> for me I mean, we could talk about we could just go ahead and start talking about him uh that kid's going to be a five star. We have we have it on good authority that he's going to be a very highly ranked five star when the uh, upcoming uh, updates come out for all that stuff, because uh, he's he's absolutely worth it. You know, we I heard the rumors of him kind of you know dominating Xavier Booker, and then Jacks mentioned his name throughout the spring, uh, just kind of talking about how good this kid is. You know, up there in Indiana, I never got to see him. So this is my first time I made sure I got front row seats for. Uh, all of them. Or I, may, I think I watched five of his six games. That I was able to, um, and that kid is the real deal. It's it's impressive actually because he can't do anything outside of three feet offensively. Like he has no jump hook, no little turn, like nothing of that sort. But he's so big and strong. He just carves out space. He dunks everything around the rim. He's got like not Oscar like reef or instincts when it comes to getting the ball, but his hands are just really like he's going to grab it if it gets near him um defense he's just as good i think the best the, one of the best scenes or best moments in the whole camp is where he had back-to-back blocks at the rim within a matter of three seconds on like six ten dudes I, that was it was one of those moments where like everyone kind of looked at each other it was like hands in the air like type things like oh my god it, it was it was incredible yeah um and he can defend on the wing he's got unbelievably quick feet for someone who's as big as he is uh he's uh, like if you're comparing him to a guy like Aaron Bradshaw, he's definitely a lot quicker in that regard. Um, and we didn't get to see too, like we didn't see like you know him in the post like playmaking or anything like that. But his his ability to dominate the game by shooting seven or eight from the seven of eight from the field and getting you know eight rebounds, five blocks. He was doing that consistently like throughout the whole weekend. And um, he doesn't. He's one of those guys that doesn't need to shoot outside of five feet right now. Uh, and once he does, that's when you're like, okay, now you're going to start seeing a guy who can really dominate the NBA level. But he's he's a guy that right now that can dominate the the college level, like kind of as is. So he's the guy that I was definitely most excited to see, and he lived up the expectations. And I'm eager to know. And I think he's only been in the U.S. for nine months. So this kid mm-hmm. is going to uh, really get the development is what's next for him because the only issue my my issue with him was his uh his stamina you could tell that like as the games were on hands on hips like on the ground like he was exhausted but at the same time if he saw a guy jetting to the side of the rim like about to go for a layup he was there like he always had a second win somehow so uh he's just an impressive player overall and uh on a lesser note Santos Soril was another guy who I was impressed with as well I didn't get to see that much he's the Tennessee 
kid. He's going to be a five-star as well, or maybe a borderline five-star. Uh, he's just a mountain of a human, kind of the same deal with uh, uh, Flory, just not as, I guess, naturally gifted in some of those uh, actual areas around the rim and with defense. But that kid's a tank, and he carves out space probably better than Flory does. Uh, but those two individually, shockingly, the centers were the guys that actually kind of stuck out to me this weekend or this week. Yeah, and I, I do want to say Flory has only played organized basketball for two years. So, like, for somebody who is very new to the sport in a from a competitive standpoint, um, he is so advanced for being so raw, if that makes sense. He's just – he is so naturally gifted at what he does. He recovers so well. He doesn't bite on stupid pump fakes. Like, he does all the little things that you'd – expect somebody that's been playing basketball since he was four or five years old to do while still having all of the physical tools at 6'10, 235 pounds. I mean, he looks like he was built in a, in a factory. I mean, he just, that he's just has that, that just natural build and, and physical feel to him that he's college ready from day one. And he, like you said, he has the soft hands. He finishes extremely well, finishes with touch down low uh, he can't do anything outside of three to five feet. Like absolutely nothing. I don't think he shot the, one jumper outside of like no, nothing else. I seriously don't think he shot one shot outside of five feet. Doesn't need to. Like it, he is at this point in his career in his high school career, he's a rising junior. So he still has two full years of high school left. He's playing at Kokomo, Indiana, which uh, if for my money, I would bet that some high profile schools are going to be after him very, very uh, very, very hard, and and it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. But um, he is a guy that that is clearly, clearly top ten in his class, maybe even higher. Uh, and you know his recruitment's interesting. Kentucky has reached out to him. I talked to his uh, his coach, and and they, he did make it very clear that Kentucky was interested. It's just a very complicated recruitment, Zach. There's a lot of um, coaching ties in his circle, I guess is the best way to put it, that uh, could end up sending him somewhere that maybe you wouldn't expect. And that it's just very up in the air where things stand with his recruitment. But Kentucky is trying to throw its hat in the ring and see what the hell they could do because he's clearly Kentucky quality. He's clearly like this kid is not, uh, you know, mid-major, maybe high-major. This kid is a clear high, high-major. Anywhere he wants to go in college basketball, they would happily take him if uh, if if it was an open recruitment. So that's that's probably the best way to put it, and we'll see how things unfold, but Kentucky is trying to get involved there. Kentucky is also involved 20, with sophomore. He's a 24 kid, too. We should point that out. I'm not sure if we mentioned that. Yeah, at rising junior, so still two full years of, uh, of high school left for him. So sky is the absolute limit. He is the highest potential of any big uh, in high school basketball right now, and it really isn't close. But Santos Surreal, I, I agree. I was a big fan of him. Uh, a little... Uh, a little more, I guess, just pure physical, pure strength than, uh, you know, the touch ne not isn't necessarily there. He's just, a, you know, he's a guy that he's very raw, just tries to take the rim down every time he dunks it. And, and you know, at times he can kind of just become this overwhelming brute that just kind of lets lets his body do too much at times and doesn't really have control of his body. So he's still kind of a work in progress too, but he's just a dominant presence. Like you said, carves out space for himself and, and really just attacks the basket 
uh, unlike very few uh, in in his class. So that's definitely another guy to keep an eye on. Kentucky is interested in him, and they were courtside for, I think, every one of his games, if not most of them as well. So uh, that, that was definitely one to keep an eye on. And then I do want to give credit to um, Reed, uh, not Reed Shepard. We already talked to uh, Rob Dillingham. Even in just seeing him in in on one day, I don't know where the hell he went after day one, and that was kind of something that people were like, uh, "We don't know where he went." So uh, that's not the best thing, but you know, maybe he just had a conflict of of schedule or whatever. But Rob looked sensational in his lone um, opportunity there in his first day there. He was, uh, you know, dancing and and you know, really proving that he is the most creative and entertaining guard in, the, in all of high school basketball. Like I, for my money, I don't think there's another fun prospect in the class of 2023 or even 24 that kind of just turns heads the way Rob does. He was able to create for himself. He was able to, to, you know, turn the corner and get to the basket, finish with creativity around the, around the rim. He was able to create his own shot. And, you know, even with a hand in his face, he was able to knock down jumpers. It was just a very productive day one of, you know, his first and only day there at camp. So I do want to give him uh, a shout out. And I also look, KJ Evans is a guy that I've been very hard on. Um, I saw him as the highest potential guy in the class. I thought, you know, there's a reason why he was top four, top five in all these recruiting rankings, but I have been so underwhelmed by him in recent months uh, just because the motor's not there. He just sits on the perimeter and jacks up threes uh, constantly. And I, I'm just like, this dude's EJ Montgomery 2.0, uh, really not a fit at Kentucky. I don't think that Kentucky should be putting all their eggs in the KJ Evans basket to his credit. He finished up the camp very, very, very well. Uh, he was efficient shooting. He was efficient scoring. He was playing, you know, doing a lot of other things on the floor, uh, that, that, you know, jumping the passing lanes, trying to, you know, active with his hands, trying to get blocks, trying to get, uh, you know, steals and rebounds. He just did a a lot of different little things that uh, I, I have been very hard on KJ Evans. And I was, you know, all for a, uh, you know, not making him top five in the country, making him more top 15 to top 20. Uh, I, I do think that he, he, you know, earned some respect and earned some credit there at the end of camp. So uh, to, to his credit, KJ was another guy that definitely turned my head, but those, but yeah, I think those four were some of, some of the guys, that, at least with Kentucky interest that uh, I think stood out on, on my end, Zach. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't get to watch uh, some of those last KJ Evan, Evans games. Uh, unfortunately, I watched some of the earlier ones where he looked kind of what he looked like in the spring. Um, but that was kind of the talk around the campus that he looked really good at the end. Um, and I've been I've said multiple times on this podcast before that I think KJ is a guy that we should still continue to, you know, stay on board in. And I'm really interested to see how it just kind of all comes together at Montverde with him as the guy and if he can, you know, replicate some of what he did there at the end of that camp. So, um, and like you said, Rob um, was, he definitely is, you know, for anyone's money, the most entertaining player. DJ might give him a little bit of a run, but uh, DJ's not, you know, dancing around and hitting step back threes like Rob is. So, um, but then Aaron Bradshaw, I think we should talk about him too, uh, just because of his recruitment's kind of winding down, it feels like. Um, but he looks, he looks just very, comfortable is I think is a good word. He just looks very comfortable and knowing that the fact that he is as good as kind of people are making him out to be like, he is a five-star. I don't know if he's like a top 15 player or a top, maybe, maybe, I don't know if you want to really get close on semantics there, maybe a 15 to 20 player. Um, but he had a game. I think he, his first, very first game, him and Floyd were matched up together. 
Uh, Flory kind of got the better of him at the beginning. And then Aaron kind of just was, you know, had the stamina to really outlast him and just has just been doing this for longer. So uh, kind of got the better of him at the end. But um, I really liked what I saw out of Aaron. He's just kind of continued to do what he's always do- doing. But even in this setting, uh, he was a little bit more aggressive than he normally is playing alongside like DJ and McKenzie and Baco. Like there was a point where like on his team, he was kind of like the guy. So he would like command it in the post and, um, you know, he was shooting like there was one, he had like a step in 18 footer that he just drilled from the top of the key. He was trying a couple of post moves, you know, some success, some not, but um, like we were kind of saying earlier, like he knows that there's only so many touches he's going to try and get the ball. So when he does, he was very adamant about trying to get some points and, and uh, he looked good when he did. And I mean, obviously, can, you know, we could talk about the recruitment, but Kentucky kind of appears to be uh, the front runner with him right now as we wind down there. But Aaron, I think is a, a great, great piece to, to add to this class. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron and I, to his credit, I will, I will say that it was a, a nice learning experience for him uh, from a motor standpoint. He admitted, we asked him on the last day, you know, what's he working on? What's uh, you know, what are some of the things that separate your game from the other players in your class? But at the same time, what are some of the things that are kind of holding you back from being even better? And he said, this week was a big learning experience for me in terms of my motor. I know that, I take too many plays off. I'm too lackadaisical at times. I, I need to be aggressive and I need to be engaged more often. That's a that's you know a, a really kind of empowering thing for a player to admit and to to acknowledge that hey I, I'm falling short in this area. I know I have all the natural abilities in the world, but it doesn't get me anywhere if I don't have that that killer instinct and I don't have that next you know that next level motor. And for him to admit that he takes some plays off and that that's something that he's actively working on and that this this camp setting kind of showed him that, uh, I, I'd rather him learn that now than when he shows up on a college campus. And, uh, you know, it's 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 easier to tell a guy, you know, whoa, instead of go. And I think that's if we can get Aaron to be constantly pushing and have to reel him in instead of telling him, you know, kicking him in the butt and saying, come on, you got to you got to ramp things up. I think uh, that's definitely uh, a sign of of bright things to come and yeah i thought as a player he's you know he just he is a guy that he's going to give you you know sophomore nick richards i think is probably a good comparison for right now where or maybe even on the uh, summer going into junior year nick richards is probably the best way to put it he's going to knock down the elbow jumper he's going to knock down a baseline jumper uh, but he's going to give you 10 and 10. He's going to give you 10 and 8, whatever, you know, 10, 8, and 2 blocks a game. That's going to be what he is at Kentucky, and and that's, you know, that's fine. Like, that's exactly what you want out of a guy like Aaron Bradshaw, and, um, you know, just don't expect him to go out there and go for 25 and 15 like Oscar or whatever the case is, but he's going to be a very consistently productive player talent in college and it, it does appear that Kentucky is going to be that landing spot um and you know we'll transition this into some of the recruiting updates that I heard uh, especially through you know talking to national sources and different coaches and things like that the players themselves throughout camp uh while we were down in Orlando so uh, I will say that Aaron Bradshaw flat out told us that he has already made his decision I thought that was really eye-opening he said he made it a minute ago so I'm sure yeah. it's, been, it's probably been weeks is what it sounds like what he yeah, he's like. said, I made my decision, quote, a minute ago, and the announcement is, quote, coming real soon before Peach Jam. So uh, when could that be? I was told that it could happen as early as this week. I mean, we are we could be days away from a, a commitment. And then he put out something on his Instagram story, uh, like, 
if you know, you know, and it was 07065 or something like that. And people were like, oh, is that July 6th at 5 p.m.? <laughs> and, you know, that, that could be something as well to keep an eye on. But we're days away. This is a, a commitment is imminent. It's done behind the scenes. Like he already knows where he's going. And it's not really a secret at this point that Kentucky is that overwhelming favorite going into the home stretch. Uh, but he's ready to announce it. He said that he's, uh, I heard from, from a national person that, uh, he wants to return home from camp and kind of finalize the details of his announcement. So he got home Friday afternoon, Friday evening, used this weekend to kind of come up with a, a, a you know, a, a plan, method of attack, a plan of attack. And I think that's where things stand right now. And maybe that July, July 6th at 5 PM is, uh, is what he's planning on doing, but I think it's going to be some professional video of sorts that, uh, you know, he's able to announce his commitment. I do think it's going to be Kentucky. I don't think there's going to be much suspense there. I will, however, say that there is still some G League talk. He did even when somebody asked, what's your timeline for a decision? And he said, my college decision, which I th- thought kind of stuck out to me that uh, he's, you know, the pro decision is still up in the air. He's just announcing where he's going to college. Uh, I have heard that uh, it's more likely than not the expectation is that he does make it to campus, likely in Lexington. So uh, there's n- 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 no formal offer has even been extended from the G League. So it's not even like he's weighing a professional offer versus an offer from Kentucky right now. It's just something to keep in mind uh, that that there is some some interest and they're going to be, uh, you know, kind of weighing their options on their end, tracking his trajectory, how his senior year goes on from the G league's perspective. And, uh, it's an open dialogue right now. So UK may be getting his commitment this week, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's done, done. Well, interestingly enough, uh, Rod Strickland, who was, you know, the G league's program director is now transitioning to coach at LIU. So, you know, if you want to kind of look on a positive note for Kentucky, that would be kind of ideal timing for the fact that, you know, as a kid's about to commit, obviously he could change his mind over the course of, you know, now when he actually signs on the dotted line, but this would be kind of the time you'd want the G league to go through a transition of power where you can really make your pitch uh, to Aaron there and be like, well, they don't know what they're doing over there. So let's just, let's lock this in now and, and come on over. So. Yeah, and let's keep you know moving on through these just because Kentucky talk about Xavier Booker. We definitely I feel like we should talk about him for a second. Xavier Booker? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Xavier Booker is uh Kentucky is kind of loosely interested. They went up to go watch him in Indy where Flory Badunga outplayed him. And uh, you know, he's a guy that I think Kentucky's interested in, and he's a long-term like, man, what could he be? His ceiling is so unbelievably high. Again, I think there's some motor issues with him that he takes too many possessions off. And I think that is kind of a uh, concerned different schools. I think Michigan State is is very, very high on him. And he's very high on Michigan State. They're kind of the early front runner. You have Duke that's also kind of entered the picture there in a, a nice position, not the best position, but a nice position. Um, Kentucky, I just, I don't see their paths crossing. I, I think that they're going to be two ships going different directions uh, in the night. And I, I you know, it, it is what it is. I do like Xavier as a, as a long-term uh, potential piece, but I think Kentucky has its focus in the front court, especially on two other names and one of them being Aaron Bradshaw and the other being Uganda Kingsley. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be too upset if UK kind of decided to just pass on Booker entirely. Um, I kind of, I see the vision. I see the Jaron Jackson comparisons, uh, but at the same time, 
I see those Jaron Jackson Jr. comparisons. That's what kind of scares me because Xavier Booker does not rebound. Uh, he doesn't like to go inside the paint. He loves to shoot a lot of threes. And that's that's really only good if you are – your motor is kind of what you were talking about if you're going to try all the time because you have to be really, really, really good on defense if you're going to do that. And he is good, uh, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is like, you know, top four, five defender in the, in the NBA. So he can kind of get away with not being an outstanding rebounder and doing most of his damage from outside of the paint, whereas – Xavier Booker is also a little bit smaller than Jaron Jackson Jr. too. And I just, I, I don't see, I see the ceiling, um, but I also see the floor and I don't like the floor at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And, and I will say that Kentucky has ramped things up very, very, very much. So with Uganda Kingsley, they love his long-term defensive abilities and think that he's, he's has elite shot blocking, uh, you know, elite rim protection potential uh, at the college level. And they think that he would absolutely reach that at Kentucky. They're just very, very high on him. And they like the fit with him next to Aaron Bradshaw. So that's definitely a name to keep an eye on. He's going through his official visits right now, a couple publicly scheduled right now. I do expect Kentucky to land one of those visits. Um, and I expect this thing to move rather quickly. And I think that there's some other stuff just – uh, not going to say anything and uh, just just watch this one closely um, and watch him and that potential fit alongside Aaron Bradshaw and just get yourself comfortable with it. Just just get yourself comfy with the idea of Uganda and, and Aaron Bradshaw in the same back in the same front court. And and I think that's kind of where things stand with with the front court. I, I don't know what else you would necessarily even need to add, uh, you know, in terms of a Xavier Booker or a. Uh, you know, even a KJ Evans, who is a a four at the next level, he says he's a three, and Xavier Booker says he's a three, but he's a four. They're both fours at the next level. I don't necessarily see the fit if you have both Aaron Bradshaw and Uganda Kingsley. Another name to keep an eye on is five star wing Justin Edwards, who uh, Zach for the longest time has been a heavy, heavy, heavy heavy Tennessee lean uh, to the point where uh, I've talked to different people behind the scenes that said that he has already almost jumped on a commitment. You know, he'll just wake up on a random Wednesday and say, you know what? I think I might announce my commitment to Tennessee. Like that's just kind of who he is. Uh, as we've talked to him several times, he's just a very blunt matter of fact kid who tells it as it is and isn't afraid to uh, withhold anything and he's just you know he's he's not ever gonna lie to your face for better or for for worse and uh there's i've come at first it kind of rubbed me the wrong way but i've really come around to respecting how he has handled things like somebody asked him at this camp and said uh michigan offered you uh what you know what what is their contact like are they gonna make a push for you and he goes uh yeah they offered and i haven't heard from them since so no uh, they're, they're not going to. It's just like, whoa, like how often do you hear that from uh, a kid? So I, I've I've really come around to respecting the way he has handled this. Uh, I, we asked him at Pangos, we said, is it fair to say that this is a Kentucky versus Tennessee battle? Uh, and he said, yeah. And what about it? <laughs> Who else would like, it be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But almost, to, yeah, to that point, it's just like, uh, is that supposed to be some secret or something? Like, duh. Yeah. It's between Kentucky and Tennessee. Like, like and uh, so I, I've just really respected. I've come around to respecting the way he has uh, just very matter of factly handled his recruitment. He just he is who he is. He's a a kid that's going to tell it as it is, and I, I really 
uh, like that. I will say that there was some talk about Auburn potentially uh, making a run at him, and they may be take, making up a lot of ground on Tennessee in particular that uh, that Bruce Pearl is kind of behind the scenes going for the kill. Uh, he said to us in the, the media interview that uh, he was planning a visit to Auburn, and that kind of sparked a lot of the buzz in basketball circles like, oh, Auburn's finally making their push. You know, they're going to get them on campus and that's going to be what it takes to push them over the edge. Uh, I've talked to people that are very, very familiar with his recruitment that know exactly what's going on behind the scenes that say, nah, this thing is going to be Kentucky or Tennessee. He said, uh, you know, Auburn's trying, but uh, he it's it's definitely going to be Tennessee or Kentucky. Tennessee being the longtime favorite. There was a lot of uh, there was some. Um, they were put off. The, their camp was put off by Kentucky's lack of love, I think, is the best way to describe it. That Tennessee is telling them, here's you're going to be the priority where you're the only wing that we're, we're recruiting in your class. Um, you know, you're going to come in and get X number of shots. You're going to be the guy we want to build around you as Kentucky is recruiting, you know, guys like Matas Buzelis and Mackenzie Mbaco. And uh, you go down the list and I think that they were kind of thinking, OK, well, uh, how much do you really like us if you're if we're one of six different wings that you're recruiting? And I think that really rubbed them the wrong way over the last year. Uh, to Kentucky's absolute credit, I've heard that since April, April being the you know the actual time when things started ramping up, that Kentucky has been it, it just tremendous in terms of how much they're reaching out. John Calipari, in particular, has taken over this recruitment. He's leading the charge. He has basically said. Everybody get out of my way. I got this thing. Uh, and I think that's something that their camp has really respected. And I think Justin himself has noticed. We asked him, you know, what does it mean? Cal three deep with uh, Chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua watching you courtside for every one of your games uh, th this week in, in Orlando. And he's like, yeah, I've noticed like that. That's what I've been waiting for. That's what I want. Like, I want them to care about me. Like it's not a secret that like he has said in the past that Kentucky has been his dream school. That's a, the school that he grew up wanting to play for. And I think it just kind of rubbed him the wrong way that they weren't showing him that same love back. And now that that love is being shown back, I think uh, things are starting to trend in Kentucky's direction. Now, it was a lot of ground to make up. Tennessee had an overwhelming lead, and I do still think that they have uh, the slight lead, but I definitely think it's a 1A, 1B situation now instead of Tennessee as the overwhelming favorite and Kentucky and Auburn trying to fight for that second spot. I definitely think we're at a 1A, 1B stage that I, it could truly go both directions. I've heard that September is kind of a loose target date for his commitment, uh, and I think the longer this drags out, the better for Kentucky's chances. You do not want him to randomly wake up on a Wednesday morning and say, I'm going to commit because that would definitely favor Tennessee uh, in this point in, in time but the longer this drags out if this gets to september or october i'm starting to feel really good about kentucky's chances act yeah and i mean I, I i think it was really telling that the coaching staff really seemed to prioritize him at uh at mbpa there was like a handful of players it was like you know aaron and reed and uh rob when he was there like those were the type of guys that and even flory kind of to an extent like those are the guys that uk was really like, you know, making sure to watch. And you could tell that they were making sure to watch Justin Edwards's games. So uh, Cal especially was making sure to watch those games. So um, I'm sure it it's definitely sounds like, you know, from the conversations that you had uh, while you were down there that uh, Kentucky is definitely making their push. And, and we'll kind of see how 
well that push is and just kind of you know what justin really wants and and what he's expecting i guess at a college level you know what type of role he's expecting to play and whatnot and um you know it looks like if he were to come to kentucky he'd kind of be joining a you know a pretty decently sized class of maybe a five or six player class so uh there'd be a lot to go around but um for his actual game like individual play he was he looked you know kind of how he has looked which is you know clearly one of the better players at the camp uh not anything you know too overwhelming uh he's definitely one of the better defenders and um his jumper's still kind of coming along but uh yeah overall i think his the recruitment obviously is clearly still it feels tennessee but uh the kentucky definitely is ramping it up there and, and mookie cook is another name that fans were like well they were you know the runner-up in his recruitment the first time around when before he committed to oregon does kentucky make a push there uh, I was told that that they would have interest in Mookie, but uh, they're not going to do anything to screw up this Justin Edwards. I mean, they've done so much work to build that relationship back up and kind of make up ground that honestly, it would be stupid to make a significant push for Mookie at this point in time. I mean, you you literally overcome everything that you did before you know before about you know making them feel like a priority and and all these other wings being prioritized over oh you know over justin that when mookie becomes available again to make that next push for him who for my money i don't necessarily think mookie is any i think justin's a better player than mookie i think uh, you know i think they mookie is a small ball four and and I, he's just really been underwhelming lately he hasn't played the entire summer anyway because he's been uh filming a, a movie as the as a young lebron james so that in itself uh, i mean we really haven't even gotten to see him play at all because he's been acting this entire uh, spring and summer so I, it's just not a fit i think that he's going to end up at the g league and if he doesn't end up with the g league i think arizona is another option for him and i also heard that he may just recommit to uh, Oregon too, that he's just, you know, wanting some attention and, you know, feeling like, okay, well, I haven't gotten a play. So I have my highlights haven't been online. Uh, my recruitment's been closed for, you know, since the spring, since the winter. So, you know, there really isn't a whole lot of, of, you know, love on, on that end where schools aren't calling me kids, you know, fans aren't dying to know where I'm going. You know, he's just out of sight, out of mind a little bit. And I think that that kind of led to some complacency and some, some restlessness on his end that, made him want to open things back up. So that could even result back in a recommitment to Auburn. But I do think that G League uh, is the overwhelming favorite. And at that point, why even go all in on on Mookie, knowing that you, that would be costing you Justin Edwards very likely. Uh, it just I just don't think it's a fit. Uh, and I, I expect Mookie Cook to stay out west in some form or fashion, likely for the G League. Yeah, it didn't sound like he has any intentions on leaving the West Coast. And if you're just comparing him to Justin Edwards, I would probably personally take Justin Edwards uh, just because he is more of an actual wing player, more so, or kind of what you're looking for in an actual wing player than, than Mookie Cook. So, uh, and I, I've only, I think the last time I got to see him play actually was maybe at Hoop Hall because um, he just kind of hasn't been doing anything. So I don't really know, you know, even what to compare him to at this point. Um, so if I, if, you know, if I'm having to pick between Justin Edwards and like you said, with Kentucky's case, it would be kind of foolish at that point to maybe put, you know, even express a little bit of interest in, in Mookie when you're you, when you've kind of been saying that you're going all in on Justin. Mm -hmm. uh, let's wrap up here with the guy that everybody wants to know about. And I do think that there has been some movement here uh, that favors Kentucky and that's with five-star guard DJ Wagner. Um, 
I do think that adding Aaron Bradshaw, who is his teammate, would be a a very, very strong uh, addition for Kentucky when you already have Lance Ware, who played with his former Camden teammate uh, several years back. And you also have his brother, Kareem Watkins, already on the roster, along with the two-decade-long relationship that Coach Cal has had with uh, DJ's dad. I just think uh, adding a fourth voice kind of in his circle to the the Kentucky program, I I think is a huge, huge step in the right direction. But even beyond that, like my my confidence in Kentucky getting DJ doesn't even necessarily have to do with adding Aaron or or even the other connections. I do think that's where Kentucky's confidence is coming from. Kentucky is extremely confident uh, that they're still going to land DJ Wagner. But uh, my confidence is coming from the uh, I I talked to several different people at MBPA and, and just the last couple events that you know how there was just so much buzz when Kenny Payne was hired and the staff was formed, and especially when Milt Wagner was added to the program, there was a lot of talk that, like, you know, they're the new cool program. Everybody's going to flock to the to Louisville. They're going to be this, you know, juggernaut on the recruiting trail, and everybody's going to be scared. There's, you know, there was some fear that they were going to kind of take things over, and and you just other schools were just kind of watching closely and going, hmm, what do we have? now to go up against it's not just going to be duke it's not going to be kansas and north carolina and go you know go down the list they were thinking that louisville could very well step in and and there was definitely a fear factor there and what has that resulted in zach i can't say anything they haven't added any high profile transfers they have missed over and over and over again on the transfer market they've lost uh once again with high-profile five-star high school athletes. They haven't gotten any reclasses. They haven't, all this confidence that they've had, they've worn on their sleeve and saying, we're going to get this kid. We're going to get Imani Bates. We're going to get this transfer. Uh, it, it has resulted in nothing. Like, they have not, they have one commit in, in their class right now, and that's Caleb Glenn, who's a four-star native. From Louisville. From Louisville. Like, what have they done on the recruiting trail to prove that they are any competition to the high profile blue bloods not even just kentucky but but all the other ones and zach i heard from several different people at camp that there that they other programs are starting to see blood in the water that that other programs are sharks seeing blood in the water that that maybe louisville's overselling and under delivering over promising and under delivering uh is going to kind of lay a domino effect of all right well as more 23s come off the board and they don't have Louisville attached to their name and, and you know, they don't keep adding these guys, who all are they going to add? Where is this confidence going to keep coming from that their optimism can be as much as they want it to, but if it doesn't result in anything, then how can you be a real player in college basketball recruiting? And uh, that's kind of the, the thought with DJ Wagner is, okay, you're going to lose Aaron Bradshaw. He's going to end up committing to Kentucky. And even if he doesn't end up at Kentucky, it's going to be the G league. Like it's a G league versus Kentucky battle right now. Now, even after he commits to Kentucky in, in the coming days or however long it takes for him to announce, who are they going to add? Like, are, are they going to, you know, steal Caleb Foster from Duke just because of the Nolan Smith connection? Even if they do, Caleb Foster's not any good. Like, that's not a guy to like, that's probably one that Duke would go. Uh, yeah, you can take him if you really want him. Like, that's not somebody that people in, in basketball circles are very high on anyway. So it might get headlines. Uh, Louisville takes Caleb Foster from Duke or whatever, but it's not going to make an impact on the recruiting trail. It's not going to make an impact on the court. It's not going to result in winning. So there's a lot of talk that 
all of this, you know, as wearing their confidence on their sleeve, this honeymoon period that Louisville has had the last couple months is going to very, very quickly result in restlessness from recruits, from uh, the fan base, especially that they have set expectations unbelievably high that has really resulted in nothing so far. And I think that Kentucky is playing it where it's like, we'll let them have the honeymoon period. We'll let them be as confident as they want to be. We'll know we know where where we stand with things. We know that we're still the Kentucky basketball program that everybody has known and, and loved for uh, decades and decades and decades. And we'll let things play out the way they need to, Zach. And my thing with the DJ Wagner situation has there's always been I'll I'll believe it when I see it type thing. And obviously, you know, I don't want to discredit Kenny Payne because I think he's, you know, he's going to do really good things and he's clearly a, gr- a good recruiter. Um, and I think he will ultimately or eventually do really well. But, you know, he's only been wh- how long has he been the head coach? I guess two months since uh, March. Yeah. So not very long at all. So that was like the honeymoon phase of what he's like. That's a good I think that's a really good descriptor of it is just. They saw the connections there. They saw higher Milt Wagner and thought, well, that's it. You know, that's that's all they needed to do. But I guess there's more to recruiting than just hiring somebody onto your staff. You actually have to recruit the kid. Uh, and it sounds like Louisville isn't doing a fantastic job at recruiting so far. I mean, no, no discredit to Caleb Glenn, who's a really good player in his own right, but he's been committed since the fall. He was committed to what's-his-face, and he's, you know, he was going to go to Louisville no matter what. So you can you just kind of lucked out there that you had a top 60 player in your own backyard. Um, so like I said, like I have a pick logged with DJ Wagner for Kentucky. I've had it since forever ago and I'm just going to keep it until, you know, I will, uh, I'll believe it until, until DJ Wagner says he's picking Louisville. That's kind of just where I'm at. I definitely don't, I don't not think that Louisville hasn't like gained a lot of steam momentum and maybe there was a point or is a point, or maybe they currently are the perceived front runners. you know, if, from their perspective or maybe from DJ's camp or uh, however they're viewing it. Um, but, you know, the momentum kind of wears off. And like you said, you got to start adding other pieces. You know, I, I'm not sure that DJ Wagner wants to go to a class where Caleb Glenn is the other headliner when you could go and play with your one of your really good friends, Aaron, and uh, and then, you know, join Rob Dillingham, who I've, I would believe those two would probably – work semi well together uh you might have to you know maybe convince them a little bit to do it but i don't think that would be an issue for them uh, we've talked about how rob plays with you know aiden holloway and uh, dj has obviously played with a lot of good players too so uh, i think there's a world where it obviously works well and um until until dj says he's you know picking louisville i'm just going to kind of always err on the side of caution when it comes to all that that hype yeah yeah the the national people are just like look they can't close like they have not closed on anybody of substance like their biggest commitment to this point is Brandon Hunley Hatfield who a guy that Kentucky cut ties with in high school because they thought his motor wasn't good enough like that's that's their statement win so far is Brandon Hunley Hatfield like at some you point, get a money Bates you you couldn't even land a money like that was something that uh, you know, it's, they use that narrative. Oh, well, we didn't even want, no, they wanted him and things got a little, you know, a little hectic and they couldn't even close on that one. And that is just, uh, it's just one thing after the other that it's, you know, there's not one big loss that they've had so far. I think the Aaron Bradshaw one, when that becomes final, that's clearly going to be a significant loss, but that's going to go, uh, that, that that's just going to prove again that uh, there's a lot of hesitancy right now with national people that are going, you know, 
when are they going to close on anybody? Like at, at some point you got to call a spade a spade and say, you prom made all these promises that, that you guys were going to land all these kids and, re you know, return to the promised land and, and all that. And they don't even have a, a point guard on their roster right now. Like they couldn't even upgrade their, their point guard position this off season as, and the players are on campus right now. So there's just a lot of of little things like that that have kind of built up, and and now the narrative right now is like, okay, maybe this honeymoon period is starting to come to a close, and maybe we shouldn't be hyping up Louisville as much as possible until they prove they can do something. DJ is a winner at heart. He's literally competing right now in Spain uh, with Team USA because he's an absolute winner, and he's not going to go somewhere where, where he's, he's the alone, the lone wolf, even if his grandpa's there, that's just not who he is. That's not never been who he is. Uh, if Louisville wants to add DJ Wagner, they're going to have to act quick and add some other real talent, not, uh, you know, low end four stars that are, you know, kind of no name guys. Like they, they need to make some statements and it's not helping that Aaron Bradshaw is, is going to the other school that, that they are competing with directly for DJ Wagner. So, um, I'm feeling a lot better about Kentucky's chances than I than I did in recent months uh, with with DJ Wagner, and I'm sure Kentucky fans will uh, be excited to, to hear that. But Zach, that wraps up this show. Uh, I'm excited to have you on again soon. We have more recruiting buzz to talk about, and you know the when Aaron Bradshaw comes on. I mean, we, there's a, a whole lot coming up down the pike here very very soon. So uh, we'll make sure that we get you back on and and talk a whole lot more about it. But uh, until then, where can fans find your work? They can find me on the Twitter at ZGagan, KSR. That Gagan is spelled G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. It's the triple G. And then I'm also on a fancy website called KentuckySportsRadio.com or on 3.com slash backslash Kentucky-Wildcats, I think, is how you get to it. If you just do the on3 link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We find us you can find us there uh for sure but you can find me individually on twitter at jack pilgrim ksr reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentucky sports radio.com with that we'll be back next time for the jam-packed sources say podcast we will see you then Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.